Welcome back to another episode of season two, Don't Trust the Punch. Folks, we turned up in here, man, change the scenery and everything. You see, I got the Picasso in the background, man, black Picasso. He did what I'm saying. Push these heads off me like, huh? push these women off me like, huh? you know what I'm saying? Hey, oh man, I'm excited. And uh, I'm here with the guys. You know who we are, man. It's your boy, Senator. Um, and my my handsome, skin-glowing co-host, G-Rock and Josh E, man. It's good. How you gentlemen doing this evening? Doing good, good man. man. Good. Get, yes, sir. Just my, my ring light just cut off. Yeah, get yourself right. You heard mm -hmm. skin glowing. He was like, oh, let me show his skin. J-E, y'all. <laughs> man um so before we start this episode man the change of scenery here is just having technical difficulties um in the original studio setting and just wanted to make sure man that we had it right for y'all we started off with such a great episode for this new season with the visuals and the audio it was like darn near perfect man so i just wanted to make sure we could keep that consistency flowing but we were just talking about uh cell phone issues, having a burner phone and all of that. And G-Rock began to share some of his hood war stories, man. And I said, this, this is the type of storytelling content that people love to hear on Don't Trust the Punch. So you want to run that back one time for a player, bro? What, what was you talking about? Burner phones and Viagra? I think that's the name of the episode, by the way. Burner phones and Damn. Viagra. So it is, man. Nah, man. So I was just saying that growing up in a hood mentality hood area if y'all not familiar you could be from atlanta and not necessarily grow up in section eight housing or projects and still very much be in a neighborhood that's the hood and so i grew up on the south side of atlanta in my um you know my teenage and young adult years and i, I seen a lot and i did a lot and so i was just telling them about having a burner phone and it was funny because i I thought maybe Senator, you know what I'm saying? I think me and Senator have similar stories and history and upbringing. And so I was like, yo, you know, I had a burner phone and I was like, sometimes you, you may pay $20 for the phone and it lasts, you know, a week. Somebody might get lucky and it lasts, you know, a month. Somebody might get lucky and it lasts several months. And it was, it was crazy because different opportunities came through the hood because people were definitely, you know, doing things they didn't have any business doing. So whether it be, you know, entering into homes or breaking in cars, people come through the hood with a CD book and, you know, CDs always were expensive in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, you know, somebody might sell you a 40, 50 book of CDs for 10, 15, $20. Cause you know, they just stole it. You know, also to another thing, two people would um, come through the hood. They would still, you know, purses or whatever. And they would have a credit card and everybody would go to the gas station and they had like the $10 fill up. They would run that credit card at pump seven and they would make those phone calls. Hey, Senator, hey, Josh, you know what I'm saying? We, we meet at the Chevron. You Allegedly, $10. folks. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is past. This, we passed a uh, statute of limitations. So it's all, it's all good. You feel me? Plus I'm connected with KGB and CIA. Uh, so I, I pretty much got a pass on everything, man. So He's running I'm, the YSL. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not case. to be, I'm also not to be trusted just because I just revealed that information, which I shouldn't have told y'all because it's highly classified. And I grew up in a neighborhood called Shady Park. So don't, don't trust me at all. Don't trust the punch and damn sure don't trust me. Um, but especially, you know, this, 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 uh, this version of me that I was saying. So the, at the end of the day, I was just running down all these different like hood, um, I don't want to call them luxuries, but for the sake of this conversation, these hood luxuries that came with growing up in that environment 
And then I had to correct myself, man, because I was like, man, shame on me for making this seem like it's normal. I'm like, yo, y'all never had a burner phone? Like, what's, what's wrong with y'all? But it's like, no, uh, no this know, is not an actually, episode of The Wire. We've never sold crack. Yeah, yet. you know, so it's, you know, that's 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 long, long time ago. Um, Viagra, you know, I may have known a person that had connections to Viagra and would sell me like a 30, 40 count bottle of the Blue Diamonds for like, 20 30 dollars i was selling them for like 10 dollars a piece and just doing doing dumb stuff i don't want to make myself look too crazy on here i'll tell y'all some of the other stuff off camera or whatever but just know i was i was living young and wild and was just very money hungry and um by the grace of god i'm just i'm happy to still be here in one piece and uh not in jail because i i want to say like i was definitely trying to get to the money but i was still also very smart i wasn't really trying to do anything that was going you know get me killed but when you break the law break the law sometimes people get caught and they have to you know do things so yeah kids listening to this um just don't it does crime doesn't pay okay crime doesn't pay i was young and i was dumb and i was lost and now i'm found and Amen. that's just that's just the facts you know i grew up in a neighborhood called shady park i mean life and power is in that uh in that tongue my friend and it was definitely a shady, a shady place. Wasn't so, your like online handles? Didn't they used to be like Shady G Rock? Still is. That was <clears throat> that was my uh, eBay name. Oh. So Ivan introduced us to eBay in like early two thousand. We were just on there looking for the sneakers that we had in elementary school, trying to see if we can get them in our size at that particular time. So you think about Diamond Turfs from nineteen ninety three, two thousand two, two thousand three. We were looking for dead stock pairs of Diamond Turfs in our size our current size at the time mm -hmm. and ivan started selling under the the name shady ivan then i believe tonio joined next under uh shady t-rock and then i kept it going as shady g-rock but you couldn't put like a hyphen or maybe i could have put an underscore but i just put like shady g-r-o-c so people used to call me like shady grok because i couldn't put like the dash between them i was like nah yeah. shady g-rock like don't don't get it twisted and it was interesting though, because some people would early on, like some people were spelling my name, like my nickname, like G R O C or G R O C K. So if I had the K in there, you would have clearly been able to see that it was G Rock. But um, yeah, I'm still shady G Rock on eBay to this day. And the funny thing is, one of my partners, um, he's a forever be my partner in my heart, but you know, he had a falling out with one of the people in, in, in my crew, and they he doesn't really he's not around anymore, but he had an opportunity to be shady slow. And he wanted to break the tradition. He was like slow 1247. It was like, boo. You know what I'm saying? Come on, bro. Shady slow. Like, it's perfect. You got the double S going. Like, could have been Shady Ivan, Shady T-Rock, Shady G-Rock, Shady Slow. You know what I'm saying? We we was one one member away from having our own Bone Thugs and Harmony. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, those are some stories from my past that I've never talked about on a public platform. So if you listening and you heard that, you know, feel free to judge because, you know, old me, I definitely would have judged your ass too. So it's all good. <clears throat> Only God can judge us, man. That's for sure. Uh, and man, maybe one day on here, I'll share some of my war stories as well, bro. You thought, actually, you was you was definitely getting to the money because a 30, 40 count bottle of Viagra that you're selling for 10 bucks a piece. And I don't know if you had to split that with the plug or bring him back something, but he yeah. just won that flat fee. Like it was like $20, $30 a bottle. Cause he, he must've been a pharmacist from, from a or chick, something like that. A chick that he knew, you know what I'm saying? He was just getting a bunch of them. And it's, at, at that time, man, I was so money hungry because I saw my identity as a, as a young man, um, young man, man, period. I just identified success and being a man with like money, 
mm-hmm. you know, having a woman, you know, being able to like dress, be respected and you know what I'm saying? Things of that nature. That was, but money was at the forefront. It's like, yo, if you're not getting money out here, what are you doing? So I was, we was selling bootleg CDs. We were selling, you know, knockoff stuff from, um, what's the street in uh, New York where you get the fake stuff? Canal Street. Canal Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were selling that, bro, you name it. Like I was definitely like, Viagra was the, the extent of me doing any, like dealing with like, you know, drugs, right. which it's still drugs at the end of the day because it was illegal because you need to be like prescribed to that. But I never touched no, like I was way like, and also let me put a disclaimer out there. Like, you know, as much as I was doing these things, also it was the scariest Please believe me, like I was the scariest one out there. That's how I knew in my heart. It's like certain things, like I'm, I, I'm never going in someone's house, whether, whether y'all say they there or not. I'm just, I'm not about that life. I don't, I don't want it that bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I um, wish I had some of your so, fears. I, I definitely kicked a few those. For that's sure. what I'm saying. Like I, I, I definitely had my limits, and I, I remember vividly when, when C Murder dropped Life or Death, or Life After Death. Was it like? Yeah, I think it's Life or Death. I think it's the title of it. And he had a song on there, a classic Southern hip hop song called Kick, Kick Doe, uh, featuring UGK. Yep. And um, Master P does the ad libs, the entire song, by the way. If you guys have never listened to that, listen to it here on our exclusive sponsor, Spotify. <clears throat> it's called A Kick Doe by C Murder. And uh, I just remember listening to that song. It's, it's such a turn up song, but I, I just, ne- I was never built like that. You know what I'm saying? I think that's one thing I could say like me growing up around these neighborhoods, like I knew my limit. I knew my extent. I knew, I knew who I was. I never tried to pretend that I was hard, but cool thing was like, I was definitely surrounded by a bunch of like cats that was about that life. So you weren't going to mess with me just on GP. Cause you ain't want them problems with the neighborhood or whatever. So I didn't have to try to be out here, like acting like I was somebody that I wasn't. I could just be like the silly dude that's trying to dress, you know, keep my car clean and my old school and all that stuff. And, and just getting money. Cause Again, that was my that was my focus. So, yeah, man, um, that's my TED talk. My name's Gerard. I'm here all uh, evening on this podcast, and uh, this has been story time bit of my story. with mm-hmm. Shady G Rock. We need to do this as a, a reoccurring feature every so often. Just be like story time with with Shady G Rock, and you just tell us. Tell us about oh, I got stories for days. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tell us I about got stories for days. I'm not gonna mention no names or nothing like that, but I got stories for y'all ass. Like, hey. like personal encounters, funny stories, hot stories. You know, I got stories, bro. And it's interesting though. Like, I, I'll say this. I was talking to my, my good friend Antonio. Shout out T Rock. Shout out um Torture Genius Productions. But um, bro, I just feel like we were around like as like the Atlanta experience, the old Atlanta experience, as we know, like we were just around the right spaces at the right time. Like we experienced not everything, but the stuff that you hear in the songs and the stuff that you visualize when you hear, you know, rappers from early 2000s rapping about Atlanta, like, bro, we were right there. Like we seen it. We did it. We were in the clubs with, with, with um, BMF, all black t-shirts up there with Jeezy up there with Fabulous diamonds that's glowing in the dark exotic whips parked outside like we was in there not in vip like we weren't affiliated with them but like we were around to like witness these different things or whatever so it's interesting when i hear push the t say a song like you know where were you when big meech uh what do you say where were you yeah yeah like we they we wasn't at that particular party where they had all those exotic animals but we were around at time center i'm sure you remember the cocky arrogant billboard that they had and you know the world is bmf's like 
just being around and being at Mosley and being at Cascade and being at the 559 and just being in the in the know in the in the thick of things in Atlanta. So with that being said, that allows me to have so many freaking stories. So if y'all want to make that a segment, I got stories every single episode. That is story time with Shady G-Rock. And Josh actually was saying something right before we got started, too, that I want us to segue into. And it can be our first topic and, it'll, you know, connect back to last week. Um, but I wanted us to do quickly, guys. We don't want another, you know, Kendrick Lamar episode. Um, but just let's kind of briefly talk about KDOT's first week sales. Um, and what those things might mean. And then just quick, like, replay review, right? Like, what has it been sitting with this now for, you know, for what, two weeks or whatever it's been? A week. A, just a, a week, week. Just a whole yeah. week. Oh, and yeah. what, is, what is it still sounding like in the whip um, today? And so um, let's start first with the numbers, and then we'll go into uh, just kind of our replay review. So uh, according to Billboard, Kendrick Lamar landed his first his fourth, excuse me, number one album on the Billboard 200 chart with the latest release of Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Uh, it comes in at 295,500 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. alone by the week ending May 19th. And that's according to Luminate, the largest week of the year for any album so far. Um, last time I had checked, this album had not been released on as on vinyl or any sort of physical copies. Is that still the case, gentlemen? Yes, I think I heard the 27th is the date for like physical CDs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. So still at this point, no physical copies of the album. That's just pure equivalent uh, streaming equivalent album units or whatever of what that is. Uh, his last album five years ago, Damn, lasted for four weeks, a full month atop the Billboard 200, his longest run at number one. That album also, of course, received the Pulitzer Prize in music. Um, what are our thoughts so far about those numbers? Again, that's almost 300,000 uh, equivalent album units in the first week. That's the highest so far of this year. I think Future missed that by maybe like 25 to, to 50,000 units. I forget what his numbers are. Uh, is that disappointing for us? Does that make sense? Um, what do, what do we think? Go ahead, Josh. I'll let Josh. I, just, um, I, I, it's less than what I thought he would do. Um, I don't think it's disappointing per se, um, because who knows how these streaming rules really work now. Um, back when damn came out, they were different. Um, and even back when damn came out, people bought CDs more. So those numbers are skewed. I think Kanye did 350. I think J. Cole did about 280 something. Um, and we know what Future did. Like, I think he was like 220 something. So I think the new bar kind of, and Drake did, what did, what did a certified lover boy do? Like 600? Like something 600. like that. Yeah. So, and Drake is, is different because he's just the most popular artist. You know what I mean? Like, the women are going to be, you know, replaying his album. And when his album came out, he had the Way Too Sexy video ready, too. And, you know, he was having a parody of himself in the video. You know, it was a big, big deal. I'm sure that helped boost the numbers. Um, and I, I want to say he had a single. He had singles dropped as well, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, he had several singles that were yeah, dropping so, all at the same time. 
so Kendrick came in empty, uh, no, no, no music or anything. I think Cole had dropped like the interlude from his album. Um, so really nothing. So I, th I don't think we really can get a real gauge off of this because there, there weren't any really like major rollouts for especially those two. And I think even Kanye really didn't have a, a major rollout other than, you know, having his events. I don't know if he had like a single dropped or nothing like that, but we know Drake had a single, he had a video dropped the first day and he's just the most popular artist, you know, when it comes to women and especially. So his numbers are going to be, you know, a little inflated. Um, but overall, I just think 300 is kind of the new bar uh, for if you're a superstar, you need to do 300 or close to. And that's where I'm at. I'll say <clears throat> I might be over all over the place. It's on topic, but just random thoughts that I've been having that's related to this. Uh, Overall, based off what we just went through the pandemic, you know, we know Kendrick is going to keep his integrity and he's going to do what he wants to do. However, coming off of a, a, a highly commercial, viable and successful album like Damn, that was his probably his easiest, easiest album to listen to, arguably maybe against Good Kid, Mad City. A lot of people were ready for something else similar to that. It's summertime. People were ready for you know, the more aggressive, uh, bravado, hip hop, high replay value, heavy production. Like I played a couple songs from Damn yesterday just to get that, first, not that first time experience, but pretending that it was my first time listening to that, just what, three or four songs in. So from Blood to DNA to Yah to um, Element. Element. And then you yeah. think about that four run on Mr. Morale. It's a completely different experience. And so you don't get, that satisfaction that I think a lot of the casual hip hop, cause the fans are the fans. We gonna rock with Kendrick. We, we, we just, we rock and we're invested in his artistic integrity and his vision. So even if it's not what we wanted, we still support it and we still see the quality and the value in that. But the casual listener, like you said, Joshua Drake, they want songs that they could replay. They want songs that they could put in their TikTok videos. They want songs that they can mosh pit in and, 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 and quote on Instagram and stuff like that. Like they want songs that, that make them feel good. And, and the Kendrick's album was everything but making you feel good. It was not a feel good album. And not saying that damn was, but because of the way that it was produced, it was much more easier to digest. I think that most people wanted a damn 2.0, not necessarily that they wanted the same style of music, but they wanted that head bopping, that DNA, that element, that humble. And we didn't get that. Like you said, we didn't get a, we didn't get a single. We saw that we got the heart part five. Then we got the album cover. That's it. And I just think overall the masses were disappointed. I don't think it was, I don't think it was music that sat well with their palate. I think they pressed play. And I'm sure some people didn't even continue listening. If I'm being honest, I think some people got through like the first couple songs and was like, yeah, I'm not, this is not it. I'm not feeling it. Um, will they eventually appreciate it longer uh, down the road? Sure. But a couple of things I also want to ask y'all is like, from a label standpoint and from a person like Kendrick, who's been open with us that talks about struggling with his uh, ego, like most men, <clears throat> does he care? So I'm gonna stop here and ask y'all this question. Do y'all think Kendrick cares about these first week numbers? About what that says, the perception of people comparing him to J. Cole and saying like, oh, well, J. Cole, you dropped a double disc. And you know what I'm saying? J. Cole outsold you. 
And J. Cole even had a quote of saying, like, making fun. He was like, you even with a double disc, you, I, one of y'all can maybe quote me verbatim, but even with a double disc, you still couldn't outsell me. And, of course, that was something he said way before Kendrick, but it's kind of like it was kind of foreshadowing this event. Like, what does that mean for his superstardom? Did he wait too late to, 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 to deliver? Um, also, too, Josh, I'm surprised I didn't hear you say this, that I thought you would have been really um, disappointed to some degree with the album because I feel like, based off what you said last time with Dan, when you heard the heart part four, you got excited um, where you thought that maybe, or maybe maybe it was Zay. Maybe I'm mixing up people. But my, yeah, I think my that point, was Zay. Yeah, it was Zay. But my point is when you, when you hear um, Family Ties, Smoking on Your Top Five, I'm Taking No Prisoners, like all this kind of like tough talk. So it's like, okay, we're going into that album. Like he's on that type of energy. And then yeah. you hear Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. And it's, it's like, bro, where's the... Where's all this stuff that you was talking? It's almost like a, it was almost like a bait and switch. So I'll stop and I'll just let y'all respond to some of those things because these are things that was all going through my mind. Go ahead, Senator. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to a couple of those things. First off, man, look, there's no cap in my rap. Uh, I am disappointed with those numbers. Like those numbers, the, I, I agree with you, Josh. 300,000 is the new, that's the new statement. Like if you, are going to be satisfied at all. If you're going to satisfy the shareholders and the, the label execs, you need to be hitting 300,000, right? So he's doing that. But for Kendrick Lamar, in comparison to J. Cole, in comparison to Drake, those numbers suck. They don't suck. Let me take that back. They don't suck, but that's not the numbers that we expected coming off of Damn. And for but, Kendrick, namesake alone. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Coming off of Damn. Grammy Award winning, Pulitzer Prize winning, so-called quote unquote savior of hip hop, 300,000 and not even quite 300,000. That's not what I expected from those numbers. I, was, I wasn't necessarily expecting 600,000, but at least half a mil. You know I don't saying? even think it's coming off a of damn. I think it's coming off of the five-year hiatus. But, and that's what I was just about to say, Josh. And, and the reality is, is that damn was five years ago. And just like I was feeling, and I'll be candid, like I was kind of like doubting Thomas. I was like, man, you know, until I see or hear the album, until I feel the nails in his hands type thing, like I need, I, I won't believe. Like it's been five years, so much more music has come. So, uh, so much life has happened. The world has changed. There's situations where I would have hoped to have heard Kendrick's voice on certain things, even if it was just a single, a feature or whatever, and we didn't get it. And while I like the Family Ties feature or whatever, um, you know, it was just like, it was like a little flash of lightning and then it quickly went away. And so Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, I think, as I said before, is not the album we wanted. It's the album we needed. You know, and in that regard, who gives a damn about the numbers, right? Like Kendrick Lamar is an artist that means so much more than hip hop. He's not Drake. This isn't easy candy bubblegum rap music. This isn't about trying to get middle schoolers and folks around the world to like this music. This isn't about making something for the strip clubs or making something that you can ride to. This is a confessional album. This is an album that's confronting generational curses. This is an album that's intended to address not only the issues of his soul, and like he said, I can't please everybody, right? Like this is this is something that's supposed to really mean something beyond just numbers, right? And not be a fad, not be a moment, but something that you sit with. It's an album. And that's, it, and when you look at his discography and his repertoire, this is what Kendrick has always been trying to give us. It just so happened that Damn was that 
album that was super, you know, had this super popular trajectory and ability to connect and to resonate with people in like this major superstar way. Um, now, of course, there's no, um, there's no physical copies. It's only been one week. When physical copies get released and more and more people sit with this album, because we'll get to the replay review in just a second here, when you sit with this album longer, it gets better and better like wine. Like the older it gets, the more you sit with it, it still gets better and better. Like now I'm at the point where the only song I don't like on there is Purple Hearts. Sorry, Josh, but I, I was in the grocery store today listening to the album when Die Hard came on that mug. Shimmy, shimmy, I was in that mug and man, I was picking out carrots and cucumbers and then shimmy, shimmy, you know? uh, So, but I think as people sit with this album more and as physical copies come out, I think we'll see those numbers increase. But honestly, like when y'all were texting the numbers before, I was kind of frustrated because I was like, bro, who gives a damn? Like this is, yeah. this album is, is art and it's way bigger than just numbers and album sales. So I'll stop there um, and Josh, go ahead and, and respond to G-Rock. Okay, can, can one of y'all finish this for me? My nigga's dumping out the roof. Do, 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 do. Okay, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, on that song, uh, the, the Jig Is Up, <laughs> <laughs> the Jig Is Up he released after Good Kid, Mad City is actually produced by J. Cole. Mm -hmm. um, he said, y'all way too infatuated with the fucking numbers, which makes it easy for me to divide and conquer. So, and based on the content of this album, I don't believe that he, like you just said, can't please everyone. After making that song, you can't really care about the numbers, in my opinion. Um, so I, I don't think he cares. I think all he cares about is making the album that he wants to make. And I think when he's talking about smoking on top fives, I think he he's confident that his album is better than everyone's. Maybe not so I'm coming at niggas heads, but maybe I'm going to have the best album. And that's what that's why I'm so confident and cocky in my bars. Um, and then what was the second question, G-Rock? Um, as I mentioned about his ego, like Kendrick Lamar, right? Yeah. We know he doesn't care, but at the same time, there's perception around your celebrity, there's perception around your, your place and your spot um, in hip hop. And of course we know, like he, he clearly lets us know by saying a name, he's not Kanye West. He's not ready to just piece up with Drake. Yeah. So that's the guy. That's the guy you're always gonna get compared to. It's always been Drake. Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole. But now there's this huge gap between you and this other dude. And then the other guy that was, you know, under you, it's kind of like right there are, I'm not sure what the official numbers are, did he pass you with only 12 songs? And so like that ego, how does that look to people? Is Does he care about making a statement and, and, and not compromising, but reminding people like, hey, I needed to get this off my chest. This was very important for me to say, but I don't get it twisted. Excuse me. Don't get it twisted. I can still do what I did on damn. Yeah. Because make no mistake, y'all. Let me be clear when I say this. If he did a traditional rollout like damn, if we got the single and we got the visuals and we got a more easier digestible song that didn't make you feel so convicted and bad, I'm sure we could have saw what, cause I, I told y'all and I, I stand, you know, corrected, you know what I'm saying? Where I'm like, well, yeah, I actually got checked. I was wrong. I said that he was going, going to best Drake's numbers, but I thought they were going to do the traditional rollout. Family time, family ties seem very aggressive. 
I was like, oh, he coming back with the smoke. We out the pandemic. He probably going to touch a little bit on the pandemic, but he about to be coming at niggas' heads to remind y'all after five years, I am yeah. still the best rapper alive. Smoking okay, on yeah. your top five. So, and, oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Go ahead, yeah. Oh, so I so based on that too, I still I just still think he was just that confident in the album. Like, like, yeah, niggas, like y'all niggas can't do what I do. Y'all can't get as personal as me. Um, we all know Drake. I don't even Drake think Drake really likes CLB. You know what I mean? Nah, I, everybody feels like he's about to come back with an album like sooner rather than later. And, and we know. But I think I think this was Kendrick you know, ending things with TDE. I think we're about to see a new rejuvenated Kendrick. Um, and he, I think he's about to, you know, do more features. He's about to just be more visible. He's about to go on tour. So I think, I think we'll see. Um, and I think things fluctuate between all three of them, between Drake, Cole and Kendrick throughout the years, throughout the past decade. Plus they've all like fluctuated. I would say Drake has always been the most popular, but, when it comes to being one, two, or three, I feel like they all fluctuate. It all it changes from time to time. I agree, and it just depends on whose album is dropping in between the others. You know, because there was that window of last year where J. Cole was the hottest rapper, best rapper alive, and then I think all of last year people really were saying J. Cole might be number. In fact, I would say that over the past two or three years, out of those three, people were saying, "Hey, man, it looks like J. Cole might be the best because from Middle Child." on into um, uh, what was the name of the last, the off season and how dope that was and what he's been doing with Dreamville. That was just a track level of consistency, the features, the features of just high consistency, but also just high quality rapping. And of course, Drake gonna be Drake, but it's just kind of like, okay, bro, you, you, you kind of coasting off of your popularity, not because niggas think you that hard of a rapper. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just you you sit at the cool kids table or whatever but and you have this this crossover pop culture pop music appeal but you know i think now that kendrick is back that puts that puts the game back on right in terms of who can be at the top a couple of things i will say that once again like we said when physical copies come out I think that we'll, we'll see an increase in the numbers. I think as people sit with the album a little bit more, we'll see an increase in the numbers. Uh, also the tour. I think for Kendrick, another reason why he's not as concerned about numbers, and we've probably gone way too long with this topic already, but um, he's looking to eat off of merch and he's looking to eat off of this tour. Uh, I was telling you, I was looking for tour dates uh, Friday and I couldn't really find it. I, here in, in the Washington area in Seattle, the tickets were ridiculous. And I don't know if that's just what it was. Now I'm looking at it. I mean, the tickets were as high as $430 for an individual ticket, right? Um, it was looking sold out. Now I look at it here and I don't know what was going on. Now I look at it, Ticketmaster, ticket um, some sections and areas are sold out and the, or their prices are really high. Like in the floor, standing room only, they're $355, but they've got some other parts of the stadium now that are $109. And that's way more reasonable. I don't know what yeah. was happening before. Um, but yeah, so now there's there's reasonable seating. I'm going to go ahead and cop probably once we finish this um, and get a couple of tickets for the show and be there. I was a little bummed and disappointed, but I was like, shoot, there is no way 
that I'm finna pay $900 for a concert. Yeah, uh, it, it, Jesus better show up in that mug, uh, <laughs> <laughs> straight up. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, that's what that's going. But I think that these shows are selling out. I think the tour is gonna do well. I think the merchandise will should be dope. I mean, usually he does pretty good with merch. And he and he got Dave on the team. Like they, them two right. are way too creative. I, I don't mm-hmm. see them putting out anything whack. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's stop there with this topic, man. I don't want us to overdo it. Oh, real quickly, replay value. What's just tell me real quickly what comment or what know. song stands out to you, rods that's really just been grabbing you over you know over the week? One song or just the songs that we've been let's just keep it short to maybe like one song or maybe you have one comment or whatever after sitting with it for a week. Just so what's that one song or that one comment? Well, I would say Silent Hill for sure. Silent Hill, I, I revisit the most for sure. And and I and I, I don't know if I posted that in the group, but that's supposed to be the next single. Yeah, it that's is. dope. That's dope. Um, Father Time is still my number one, but uh, Rich Spirit has um crept up the number. I cannot listen to that song and not do the Soldier Boy crack. I can't. I, it's just impossible. From the first moment I saw, with these niggas don't be like, huh, I just, it just hey, comes so natural. I kind of got a treatment for that video. It should kind of be like a football game and he should be like Heisman mm, doing the high Heisman or something like mm, that. <laughs> That would be good. Yeah, Rich Spirit is also the one that comes in. Savior was the first song that grabbed me, and the lyrics on there is super hard. The lyrics on that song are, are amazing. But yeah, for, I agree, Josh. Rich Spirits, as soon as it comes on, you're like, bless now, bless now, bless now. Yeah, just that song. Now, Rich, is, is Rich great Spirit is cool because it's so like laid back and it's just like, He's shit talking, but like in the most like respectful way. And it's just so like laid back and it's non-aggressive. It's every it just shows you that rap doesn't always have to be like you know hyper aggressive to actually like yeah. talk your shit. Um before we go to the next topic, I said I just gotta get on you on record, bro. That savior interlude, you gotta put some respect on Keen. You gotta put some respect on that freaking um that that symphony or whoever that's that 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 is good, bro. Oh, the beat, the beat is great. The production on this song is amazing. But when Do I- Do you not like his voice? Because I don't like lyrics, his voice. I don't like his voice. Good. It's Kendrick Lamar. He's ghostwriting for his little cousin. When you listen to that, everything about the delivery, everything about the words, that is Kendrick Lamar and the voice of Baby King, guys. So do it's you just, think it Kendrick is. wrote the Kodak yeah. interlude as well? I, I actually don't. I actually think that's Kodak. I really do. I actually think that's Kodak, but I don't, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not convinced. I don't believe anything baby King raps as being authentically his own. I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm just, I won't say anything because when I hear stuff that like, when I listen to some of the stuff from that last album, I was like, Oh yeah, this is why I think he's trash. He's not a good rapper. But like, when I listen to this, I'm like, this is not the same Baby King that I've heard when I hear, when I hear just the casual songs. Cause I know Kendrick clearly can't write all of his stuff. But this, to me, is it's Kendrick Lamar, guys. I mean, unless unless there's some sort of like definitive evidence to prove to me that he didn't write that verse, that sound it sounds like Kendrick Lamar, guys. I'm I'm just not impressed. I mean, I, who, regardless of who wrote it, bro, like it's it's hard though. I need you to say that. <laughs> you wilding, Senator. I listened to that more like three, four times yesterday. I'm like, well, what's wrong with Senator's ear holes? Like seriously, like Kodak Black has a better interlude. That interlude, I mean, both interludes are, are dope, but that Keem joint, bro, and the stuff he was saying, like the stuff he was saying, or Kendrick wrote, who cares? It's it's 
it's really good. And if they on tour, if they have, which I'm sure he will maybe have like live instruments and stuff like I could just imagine like going to the Atlanta Symphony and like having them like around him and him being in the middle and performing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we got to start our consultant. Don't trust the punch consultant. But let's let's move on. I just want to say that, man. Savior interlude transitioning into Savior, man, coming off oh. of Silent Hill. Whew. One more question. Um, do y'all think it was a shot at Drake leaving him off that? the beginning of savior like why even throw Bron in there like why include of course you know he was of, why course include it was a future? Shot. of course it was a shot because future you, typically wouldn't be in that conversation like you know what i'm saying like no disrespect future is definitely not legendary highly influential mount rushmore convo yeah but, they, but, but normally it, they it, put within Nikki that context in that context if he didn't have no friction with drake it easily would have been whatever he said about himself drake made you feel empowered Drake made you feel Cole soft you feel and, and, and make you miss your ex. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, he wouldn't have said that if they was cool, but he would have said Drake's name definitely would have been included in that. But I don't up. think, here's the thing though. I think he mentioned people's names who people consider to be saviors. Like I think people consider Kendrick Lamar to be the savior of hip hop. I think people consider J. Cole to also be like the second, you know, running, you know, to be the savior of hip hop. I think you know, hood niggas look up the future as being kind of like, yo, you're the voice of the streets. Every young little wants to be future, right? So, and then when it comes to Braun, it's the same thing. Like even as Braun is kind of a, a social justice figure and activist, I guess I shouldn't put air quotes. I mean, he is, right? Probably more so than any basketball player or athlete since Kareem. You know, I think he's more vocal as an activist and standing up for justice since Kareem and since Muhammad Ali, like um, certainly way more than Michael was. But, you know, so I think he mentioned people who the culture might consider to be saviors. And I think no one considers Drake to be a savior. You don't think no, so? No, bro. No one takes Drake that seriously. I mean, people appreciate Drake and he has fans. He has people who think he's a great rapper who might even think he's the best rapper, but no one thinks he's saving the culture. Yeah, I think he could have just been like, Drake is the most popular, but he is not your savior. Just something simple like that. Right, right. Maybe it's a slight, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, I I just felt like, why would you put him on that list? I was a little confused at first about future, but then I started to think, okay, from the perspective of certain, of, of street folks in the culture, future could be considered kind of like someone you look up to on a pedestal, like, yeah, I want to, I want to rap like him. I want to dress like him. I want to have, you know, kind of the hood clearance like him. So Let's move on, guys. Um, right. <laughs> Migos break up. First, the Migos break up. Every day I wake up and someone got a problem with Senator. Um, Migos potential breakup, followed by the new Quavo and Takeoff single, Hotel Lobby. What, what What's up with the rumors? You know, if you listen to academics, he says, nah, I talked to those guys. It's totally fine. You know, but Quavo apparently like a little TMZ run in said, you know, seemed, seemed a little iffy. Him and Takeoff got a song by themselves. Apparently Offset is going to be dropping a single by himself. What's going on, man? I won't take long at all. I just want to say I think it's all BS. I think it's a publicity stunt to get you to listen to the music. Period. That's all I got to say. That's what academics says too, by the way. Everything is a rollout, but I mean, every every single rap group in the history of rap groups has branched off and done some type of solo stuff. So 
I think it's just a natural progression, honestly. But this is not their first time. If that's your, you know, what I'm saying if that's the 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 argument or whatever, because they all released solo projects what two three years ago, and yeah, no one no one's talking about those projects. They have to work together. Um, but I, I just I just want to just interject and say that. Go ahead. But maybe they're finding maybe they got to find another way to get people talking about them. And the song is pretty good. I I I liked it. Um, I need to I'm, listen to it. I need to listen to it. It's um, not bad at all. I, I downloaded it, so it was it was worth a download. Okay. It didn't make the playlist, but I gotta listen again. It might make a playlist because I've I've started to make um like quarter playlists. So I had a playlist for quarter one. Now I got one for quarter two. Just trying to keep track of like the songs that. I like during these times and seeing mm -hmm. where I was at. That's smart. Mm -hmm. Senator, what you think? Yeah, I listened to Hotel Lobby uh, just earlier today, but I listened to I listened to it in the house through just through my cell phone. So I need to give it the whip test. I mean, that sort of music deserves to be played in the car. So we'll see. I liked what I heard, and if and not for nothing, I mean, those two are the strongest out of the three. Takeoff definitely is the the strongest rapper out of the three, and then Quavo, and then Offset. So. They tried to do um, solo albums and none of their solo albums really hit like that. I think Offset probably out of the three had the, you know, maybe the most popular kind of songs that made radio. Takeoff definitely has at least, I think there's like one song on it was like, damn, Takeoff, like, okay, okay. Like he's going in. And then the Quavo one, I just, you know, just, I don't think it did anything for me. Um, but this, it's not unusual for groups to kind of, especially when you have three guys, for them to say, let's try to find some different um, combinations, just like with a basketball team. Like, what does it look like, you know, for you to play the one and me to play the two, right? And you to run point and we gonna, you know, we'll do a, a lob city type thing. What does it look like to play with the combinations? Even Outkast did it, right? Um, so I think it, it's just a logical progression for them as a rap group to try to think of different ways to do it. And this could be, you know, just all, um, all the promotional run, you know, um, just only time will tell. Yeah. Um, I lost it. Let's let's move on. I lost. It. <laughs> it's not a whole whole lot there, man. I mean, it just depends how much you care. Like, even if they did break up, go ahead. So, I think they need to expand their sound, and I think they kind of did it with Avalanche. Like everyone loved Avalanche, and mm -hmm. I think Quavo actually produced that. So. I feel like they should try to play more with their sound and like try to maybe use some samples and, and, and you know, put the trap influence in it and, you know, make something different and just go out on a whim and see if it works. And maybe that's what they actually need. Make a whole project that's different and, you know, out, out from what they normally do. I agree. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, guys. I agree. I think that they need to to expand their sound. I've been saying that about Migos for a long, long, long time. You know, with their YRN out um, mixtapes that they had and even the culture, I'm like, it sounds the same. You heard one Migos song, you heard them all. I don't ever want to hear a Migos project that's longer than 10 or 12 songs because they all sound the same. And some of that is just their, it's their patent sound. So they shouldn't change it too much or they should always give you at least three or four of those because they know that that works for them. Mm -hmm. But you're right though, Josh, the brilliance of Avalanche was that that beat was so unusual for them and they all found a different pocket. They wrote yeah. it well, the video was cold. I mean, it was kind of like, you guys kind of are the new Temptations. 
Beatles. You guys might be the new Beatles type thing. They so kept that whole steez for a whole project. A whole I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Kind of like with um Mad Lib laced uh Gibbs with on Pinata, just yeah. like those soul samples, just the whole the whole album, just Migos rapping over soul samples, like you said, Josh infused with some trap. Reinvent yourself, but don't you know if y'all too scared to like fully reinvent yourself like lyrically and with y'all's flow, like you said, Senator, y'all they have a patent sound. So if you don't want to move too far away from that, play around with the production where everything doesn't sound so formulaic. You know, I think a lot of rappers are guilty to that, and that's why they lose that steam and that momentum. You think of an artist like Rick Ross who has great diction, uh, a great ear for beats, but like you've been listening to Rick Ross for like what? 15, 15 mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. And so much of it sounds the same. So you gotta be able to like branch out and play with sounds. And I know I say this often, but it's why you always gotta salute and take your hat off to an artist like Kanye West that regardless of how, if you feel about Yeezus and Donda, they don't sound like any of the other albums or whatever. And the same thing with Kendrick, like they're constantly trying to evolve, constantly trying to take risks. So maybe you didn't like To Pimp a Butterfly at first, or maybe you don't like Mr. Morale or Yeezus or Donda, but it's like, God dog it. Like there's some pockets of greatness within those, uh, you know, when it comes to like the music, musical side of it and the production, and you see them purposely trying to give you something new instead of like, oh, let me just keep giving you good kid, Mad City, or college dropout over and over again, or dark twisted fantasy. I think a lot of other rappers need to, um, you know, take a page from that and not be afraid. Maybe not go as far, cause maybe y'all aren't as talented creatively as those guys artistically, but same thing with Lil Baby. I, don't, I guess this is maybe a good transition to go into that, but Josh, I know you dropped that in the, uh, in the group. Lil Baby pretty much confirmed that his album is dropping in July. And I think we can all agree as raw as he is, like he's he's amazing. Even even though he hasn't been been around as long as the Migos, it's time for him to to evolve a bit with his sound. Yeah, I'm hoping he works with just different producers, like Just Blaze, um, just some different producers. Because, like I said, I think at the our last episode um, of last season, I think I said um, that song off the Space Jam soundtrack that Lil Baby had was one of my favorite songs. Kurt Franklin, we win. Yeah. yeah, we win. Mm -hmm. Was one of my favorite songs of last year. Um so try new different producers, you got to try new flows like things Definitely new flows. The same. Definitely yeah. new flows. Definitely. And I think when little baby goes in and, you know, exercises his his thoughts on a variety of topics, just not kind of like street stuff or thug stuff, I don't know how you want to define you know, whatever category he fits I in. I think like, is, is accurate. But the, the first song that I really paid attention to him and blew me away was The Bigger Picture. And for me, that was like one of the best songs of what was that, 2019 or whatever? 2020. 2020. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think and it's the same thing with We Win. Like, I think when he actually, especially as a young voice, like it doesn't sound corny for him to do those type of songs. And I think the streets and young people want to hear someone like him talk like that because they're willing to listen to him. If he marches or says, let's march, then the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, they march, right? They may not march if Kendrick marches. They may not march if, you know, Pastor mm. Deacon so-and-so marches, but they'll march if Lil Baby marches, right? And so the power that he has to actually be able to say it and say it well, you know, I thought the bigger picture was a, a, a really wise take on that coming from the mouth of someone who's what, 25 years old, if, if that. 
so yeah, I, I think diversifying his content as well as his sound is going to be the key. But we'll see. I mean, you know, you talk about another highly anticipated art, artist and project. Little whatever little baby's got cooking, people are waiting on it. Real quick yeah. before we before we go on, I actually want to correct myself. The bigger picture. Speaking of March, Senator um, released in uh, released March nineteenth, twenty twenty one. But the timing was perfect because uh, you know we come we came out of twenty twenty. And going into 2021, still very much surrounded by the pandemic, uh, the racial tension and stuff that just continued to go on. So for artists like him, I think that album, not that album, excuse me, that song uh, did so well for him because it was the timing. And he probably was the last artist that you thought was going to make a record like, you know, speaking of Kendrick having to denounce him being a savior. People were waiting for the Kendricks and the J. Coles to make that type of song. And you got it from Lil Baby. But just wanted to correct myself. It wasn't 2020. It was March 19, 2021. Wow. It seems so um, so much further away than that. But you're probably right. Yeah. No, I just I just I looked that more up on the uh, titles just because I know sometimes, you know, we all oh, we're, 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 we're trusting title now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, let's move on to something a little bit more serious and then we'll return to the funnies. Um, and I don't know, maybe this isn't the right place to do it. But I think before we really get into the funnies and kind of start to close, um, I know we didn't talk about it last week. We were so geeked about the Kendrick Lamar album. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that we shared our thoughts and maybe even took a moment of silence um, about the recent massacre in Buffalo, New York, uh, at the, the Tops um, supermarket. Um, that was um, last Saturday. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was last, last, Saturday. last Saturday. So it's it's still somewhat fresh. It's a, It's been a week. Um, new details are emerging. I'm actually on CNN right now. I won't run down everything, but um, a young 18-year-old white male who the uh, authorities right now are, have identified as Peyton S. Kendron um, surrendered to the police. Uh, he went into the Topps grocery store armed um, as well as armored with like bulletproof gear, kind of military um, grade bulletproof armor, as well as military grade weapons um, and murdered 13 people, 11 of whom were African-American uh, and were all between the ages of 20 and 85. Uh, looking at kind of the content, the letter, the notes that he wrote, he's yeah, like a huge manifesto or whatever that the police officers have found in his home. Uh, it was racially, certainly racially motivated. They're calling it a hate crime. Um, they're gonna, they're prosecuting him under hate crime charges, first degree murder, which he has played, not, pled not guilty to. Um, but there's gonna be extra charges that the DA is filing against him. Pardon me. Um, 10 people were killed. Three of the victims suffered non-life-threatening injuries, but they are still in, uh, in the hospital. Uh, he killed actually one security guard as well. He had been casing the joint for weeks. Uh, and a lot of this, it says that his, his kind of the, the, racially the racial motivation came from him being on Discord, him being on um, online kind of chat groups that are known for sexist, racist, white supremacist, nationalist kind of rhetoric like 4chan, things like that that we know stirred up the hearts of those crazy white folks who turned into zombies and tried to attack the Capitol last year, hmm. um, last January. In fact, it says that in, I think it was January of this year, however, he was looking at those sites. And according to what they found is that he feels as though um, 
white people in this country are being replaced. There's this replacement theory among white supremacists that there's some sort of like Jewish conspiracy or whatever, or LGBTQ conspiracy being led by certain powers. I'm sure Joe Biden is on that list of the powers against them that are intentionally trying to replace whiteness and white culture within America, white people in America through immigration, through um, whatever, through, through gay, you know, um, gay rights um, through, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and Black social justice advocacy. And so that's one of the, the BS theories that's out there that's motivating and galvanizing this hate. <sighs> Gentlemen, what are your, you know, how heavy are your hearts? What do you feel about this? What are your thoughts? Are there details maybe that you've learned that I've missed um, and just trying to run that down? What does this say still about America and where, where we are? So I haven't, I've seen it, but I haven't been paying much attention to it because I, I don't want to come across that video. Um, I, I've heard people say they accidentally came across it and it like fucked them up. Um, I mean, it's a shame that, that it's a shame that people are still racist and feel this way. I feel like it's so stupid. Um, I don't know why. I, I just don't understand it. Um, I, the only thing I thoughts I really have on it is I'm mad that he was taken alive. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a pro gun, um, advocate, um, I want people to arm themselves, especially black people, um, you know, legally. Um, I, I, I wish, I mean, he was in New York and New York has some of the strictest gun laws, but I, I wish someone in there had a gun and they just finished him. You know what I mean? I, I wish he was in a place like Texas where, you know, people carry their guns and, and he tried that shit and people just, he wouldn't rallied. have made it alive out the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, I text. wish people rallied against his ass and took his ass out. And I know that's um, a mean thing to say, but fuck, dude, man, fuck him. Um, that's how. That's all I got to say. That's honest, Josh. Nah, I, just a couple things. First thing, I, I when I see that, I'm wondering for all the people that that continue to be in denial or at least to pretend, they pretend to be in denial about racism being this fictitious thing that's made up that we are, you know, delusional or just making this up or looking too deep into things or making things up. It's just like, how can you constantly see acts like this and still be in denial unless you want to be in denial, you know? And so that's crazy. And then, of course, I think the, 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 the first thing that comes to mind for all of us is that could have been any of us. That could have yeah. been any of us or any of our loved ones just going to our local grocery store, whatever that is, wherever we stay in Cincinnati, Fort Worth, Tacoma, just minding our business, not even thinking about safety in the grocery store. I'm going in here to get eggs, bread, milk, whatever. And a motherfucker coming here just shooting shit up because of the color of my skin right in 2022 right so that clearly is the biggest uh takeaway is that we know as as black men that racism never went anywhere have we come a long way sure but it's still very much like you said senator we saw them crazy ass white folks 
again, crazy ass white folks run up in the Capitol. If that was some crazy ass black folks, it would have been a completely different story. Yeah. Period. Just like Josh said, if it had been a black dude that ran up in a predominantly white grocery store and shot that motherfucker up, his ass wouldn't have been taken in custody and you know peacefully take his weapon away and, and none of that shit would have happened. And all that is a reflection of the obvious that a lot of people are in denial about of, of, of racism. So until until America is ready to like really face its sin and its dark, deep mm. past, then we never ever really find any type of redemption and can move forward. Like it's literally like with us, like outside of racism, until we re- are ready to address, you know what I'm saying, on some AA, whatever, like, hey, bro, I got a problem. I know I got a problem. Right. I need help. Until America is ready to say that and face its past, then we constantly see shit like this. And unfortunately, in this day and time, you know, like what Joshua was saying, he does not want to see it. And I agree with him. But so many of us, because of social media, we are desensitized to seeing shit like that. Like it's still on top of that, not to change the subject, but it's still very much a, a war going on that does not really uh, hit close. It's not hitting close enough to the for home for most of us so it's not it, it, you know what's going on but it's not at your front door just like racism for many people you you know what's going on but it's just not in your neighborhood even the situation not to bring him up or throw him under the bus but just to within context of my point Lil Wayne you're so far removed from that part of the world your celebrity and your money you don't have to be in certain situations and even racist ass white folks deal with you differently because right. of your class right so I think that that's what's going on and that that's what has to happen. And we got so much stuff that's desensitized where it's thoughts and prayers, it's praying hand emojis. And then a week or two later, it's, we forget about it, but we have to, and I say we, but it has to be addressed or this will continue happening as well as like, I'm pro, I'm pro gun too, if you're legally carrying but let's 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 face it, you know what I'm saying? Like we don't hear about this type of gun violence in any other country, right? But the United States. That's of America. exactly right. Yep. That's all I really got to say. Cause I could keep going on, man. I just that shit is fucked up. That again, that could have been, I'm not saying that from like a, a a fear factor standpoint or whatever, but that legitimately could have been any of us, our loved ones, just minding our own business in the land of the free hmm. grocery shopping. Shit's crazy, bro. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many points, but you guys said said a lot of what I feel. I will go left um, and say that, you know, different from y'all, I'm I'm definitely not pro-gun. Um, you know, I have a I have a difficult feeling. Like I, I on the one hand, I do feel like people have a right to defend themselves, but I feel like the history of our nation is predicated upon white men with guns. Um, and that the Second Amendment is not for us to say, give me liberty or give me death, because anytime a black man has said this in this country, he's died with a hail of bullets, even when he said, OK, give me liberty or give me death and I'll march peacefully. And they still killed him. Um, so that Second Amendment is only to protect the rights of, as you said, G-Rock, crazy ass white folks with guns. The number one threat to America's domestic security and safety are white men with guns. It always has been. They are the domestic terrorists of this country. 
Um, and so because of that, like you just said, you look at Europe, you look at other countries, you don't hear about this crazy gun violence. It, it may happen every once in a while, but it's very rare. You know, like I think some of the crazy stuff that happens in like Paris or London is you get somebody stabbing people with a knife on the on the tube, right, on the on the train or whatever. It don't be gun violence. Here you see like every year, I mean, but that was like in 2017, 18, there were like, literally there was a school shooting every single month in 2018, all the way up until the summertime, every single month. And we're so, guns are so proliferated in this country. And I don't, I'm not trying to get political and talk about anti-guns because there's also mental health issues. And there's also this deep seething racism that is interwoven into the fabric and the history and the culture of America too. That's a major part of this as well. It's not just guns, but with so much hatred because it, it's the same thing on an individual basis. If you knew someone has severe mental health issues and hatred bound in their heart, you would say they are not eligible to carry a firearm. Well, I think America has so much deep mental health issues and so much hate in its heart, it is not eligible to arm its citizens in that way, especially not certain citizens. I'm just be honest. Yeah. Everybody then, definitely should not have a gun for you sure. Know, and so that's, that's how I feel. The other thing about this is, you know, that I think is interesting to me and I don't know all of the psychology with it, but I, I do want to point it out is that the suspect live streamed the violence. As mm -hmm. Josh was saying, there is a video, um, the live streaming platform, and I'm reading this from CNN.com, the live streaming platform Twitch confirmed Saturday, the suspect used his platform to stream a live broadcast during the attack, saying in a statement, the video was removed less than two minutes after the violence began. CNN obtained a portion of the live stream showing the alleged shooter pulling up at a top's friendly grocery store. The video is recorded from the point of view of the shooter as he is driving into the supermarket's parking lot. He is seen in the rearview mirror wearing the tactical helmet gear and is heard saying, you just gotta go for it before he pulls into the front of the store. As soon as he steps out of the car, he begins shooting people um, there in the parking lot. And I heard that he almost shot a white dude and then like apologized and was like, oh no, so sorry. Like, yeah, not you, right? You better get like, I don't, does New York have the death penalty? Like give that motherfucker the fucking chair, man. I think they're working on that. I think New York has the death penalty. Um, so that prop, that might be the thing. Um, this is, goes to the other point though, that you guys were saying about not taking you know, about taking white suspects or, you know, white shooters in, especially racially motivated massacre murderers in alive because they kill in your city where you are right now, G-Rock, that black man that they said had killed those police officers or whatever. This was what, 2019, 22, they sent, like Freddie Gibbs said, they sent a damn robot in the R2-D2 to kill mm -hmm. that black man, alleged, and they yeah. said he he was Malcolm X something. They had some crazy name, trying to make him seem like he was some radical black that was That was, a, we, we, we can get into and that. We never, episode. And we that never whole, heard anything that whole, about this. We haven't heard whole anything report was else some, about was some this. BS, bro. The whole thing is some BS. The whole thing was some BS. Right? How did you just magically happen to find his his uh his ID or whatever on it? That was all of that was from crazy, false right? from false um falsely accusing someone, a black man that was caring. Remember, because right. remember that was that's right. who he was looking right. that was who, I was saying, right. we, that's who they were looking for. Oh, yeah. And it was like, oh, he he legally, rightfully, you know what I'm saying? He had the right to carry, da, 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 da. It wasn't him. It was actually this person that we found on Facebook that right. was blah, 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 blah. Right. Oh, and we killed him in the parking garage. The whole thing was with a robot, and then that was it. And never the heard whole nothing. thing was fishy. Bro, that was, we had just moved to Dallas. 
And we prob not probably we stayed around probably five to seven miles from where that where that happened. And I were I never I'll never forget that that I want to say that happened on a Thursday night. That Friday, I remember going to the trail that I would run at in Dallas, and I felt so weird in my black skin walking to that trail. I literally felt like there was a target on. I felt so everybody was looking bro, based off how that how that happened or whatever because it was just a total BS. And like you said, Senator, we never heard another word after that day. Yep. So, and the last thing that you guys said that I, I do want us to take a moment um, of silence about is that, you know, the thing that was scary when I heard this was that this could have been anywhere. You know, I, I think about, of course, my life living here in a state where I don't know a lot of people and in a city where certainly there is a black presence here in Tacoma, but we by no means do we have the numbers on our side, right? Um, and a lot of crazy stuff happens in this Pacific Northwest. In Colorado, there's a whole bunch of this. It just seemed like there, there's shoot mass shootings and stuff happens. Um, and then, of course, I thought about my, my family, you know, who do sh Saturday shopping, you know, my mother, my grandmother, my auntie, my cousins. Um, and sometimes when these things happen, it triggers or it's, it, it, gives, it gives courage right, to copycats or other mm -hmm. folks who say they want to do it too. And the sad thing is that the ages of these murderers are getting younger and younger. Like consistently, the ages have been now between 18 and 25 of these young white men who are doing these things. And there's a spirit that's happening in the midst of that. There is, and I do think the internet has a, a part of it, has a part to play in it because it's feeding the minds of them because and, and this happened because he spent time throughout the COVID years stuck on this doggone virtual reality GTA simulated player machine that we call the internet and social media and he has it in his mind that this is the world and the reason that he's living in and so I just want to take a moment man brothers of just 30 seconds um, for us to just have some dead air for silence for prayer um, you know people talk about thoughts and prayers um, but I, I want us to actually take a moment to, to pray or whatever you do, send energy, send light um, and allow our listeners to do that as well, man. So we all just, um, we all participate with me in just 30 seconds of silence, guys. Thanks. Thanks, man. I just, I just pray and speak peace um, over our country, over our families, over those families who, who lost people last Saturday, man. Just, you know, please be safe out there. Um, and more importantly, just, I just, just pray in the name of Jesus that there be wholeness and renewal in our country. Straight revival, man. Praying for revival. 
Okay, it's hard to come off of that and get back to uh, the funnies and talk about hip hop or talk about what's going on in this world, but maybe we can ease our way in with a segment that I like to call Headlines, Headlines. So if you remember from season one, this segment called Headlines is where I read three headlines to Josh and G-Rock. And they're usually, I try to pick some outlandish ones. Maybe I try to diversify it a little bit. And I'm gonna let these two brothers choose which headline that we're gonna read <laughs> and then talk about. I'm laughing because one of these headlines is, is obnoxious. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see, here we go. Headline number one, and these are real headlines, people, real headlines from the news this week. Headline number one, Nick Cannon, says vasectomy companies want him to be their spokesperson. Nick Cannon says vasectomy companies want him to be their spokesperson. That's headline number one. Headline number two, rapper Pusha T. <laughs> it's just funny saying his name with perfect diction because it's like Pusha T. Rapper Pusha T claims rap's forefathers didn't stand the test of time. Pusha T says rap's forefathers didn't stand the test of time. And then headline number three, a Tennessee Chick-fil-A is offering a year of free meals for help finding their missing sign. A Tennessee Chick-fil-A is offering a year of free meals for help finding their missing sign. Gentlemen, which headline would you choose to indulge today? I'm gonna let Josh pick. Push the T. Push the T. T-Rock? That's cool. I, I, I was going to let Josh pick, so we can do Push the T. All right. Push, push the Terrence, what's happening? Hey. I have a reason why I think uh, the rap forefathers didn't stand the test of time. It is an inch, It is kind of provocative. That's why I chose that one. I want to see where he's going with this, and I think I, I might agree with him. All right, let's um, get it. All right, here we go. It's Almost Dry is yet another celebratory milestone for rapper Pusha T as his album earned itself number one applause. The Virginia rapper has been a mainstay in hip hop throughout his career and Push is determined to not only maintain longevity but respect as well. When it's innovative, when it's honest, when it's true, when it's impactful, he says, you're gonna come under scrutiny. I'm cool with that. I can deal with the scrutiny, but you gotta admit the greatness. A lot of our forefathers, the greats, they didn't stand the test of time, Push said. As great as they were, I don't know how much they are still appreciated. I want to show that rap doesn't have to age out. When people look at me, they need to understand that I can do this forever. When it comes to being compared to his peers, Pusha T stands firm that all anyone needs to do is listen to his catalog to see that. And according to him, he's well above. I feel like people are definitely seeing what the differences are between me and them, he explained. There's maybe confusion and comparisons when I'm quiet, but when I'm not quiet, you actually see, ah, the competition isn't even close. This album is exposing the difference, the creativity, the taste level. And I want people to look at this street rap narration that I'm painting and understand that this is all I want to make. Don't ask me for anything else. I'm not entertaining you. I've been a realist. I've shown you everything. I've won the wars. I went through label dramas. I withstood everything. Now is the best time for me to be more creative and fully uplift the genre that comes to us from hot new hip hop. Gentlemen, what do you think about Pusha T's comments about the forefathers not standing the test of time and even him not willing to back down or change his content? Don't ask him for anything else, he said. What do you think? 
So I think the forefathers didn't stand the test of time because think what rap started in what, 77? Yeah. Something like that. Um, So think in 19 and what, 97 rap was 20 years old. So when KRS-One, Rakim, when these 40 year olds are rapping and the genre itself is only 20 years old, it hasn't been around enough for people to actually age and grow and be fans of it. And I think now that it's 40 plus years old, now it's been around long enough to where you, you have 40 year old rap fans and even 50 year old rap fans. And, and I think it, that allows older people to be able to continue to be relevant and flourish and be able to survive and, you know, feed their families just off a of rap. Like, um, let's say like a Lloyd Banks, um, a Jay-Z, um, even though he's just very popular anyway, but these older rap artists are able to sustain relevancy now, even if it's not at the top level, but at some level they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's due to rap being around longer, long enough now to just be able to have older fans. Yeah. Now you said it, you said it, that's pretty much it. Rap was so new at its inception, it needed time to figure out what it actually is. You know, it was a hip hop, a hip hit, a hip, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just how it started. And it quickly started to evolve through the eighties. We saw even at the tail end of the eighties with Run DMC, LL Cool J, um, and then in the 90s, it completely transitioned. It was like the 90s was the was hip hop getting the Internet, you know, how how the world changed once once we got really connected to, um, you know, the World Wide Web. To me, that's kind of how the 90s was, which is why most people refer to it as the golden era, because people had innovated. They got a little bit more creative with it. And, set, and and saw that there was no boundaries, there was no no ceiling, and that we could do what we wanted to do. And hip hop obviously was still extremely influential from uh, its birthplace, the mecca, New York. So a lot of that sound was being influenced and pushed from there, as well as the West Coast. So now, to your point, Josh, now that we're forty years in, people have played around, and there aren't any rules, and people know that they can do whatever they want to do with hip hop. So even when you talk about older oh, rappers, Busta Rhymes just turned 50, you know? Mm-hmm. And as long as he's healthy, he still has his voice. Busta Rhymes can, like you said, still feed his family. He can still tour. He can still put out a new album versus, you know, some of these artists, the forefathers, they, they, they you know, not in a disrespectful way, but I don't even know that they're in a good, in, in a good space where they could even actively still tour or maybe even like health reasons or anything like that. And also too, as time evolves, y'all let me know if y'all agree or disagree. But for me, uh, age isn't how age isn't the same as it was when we were growing up. Right. 30, 40, 50. Like you, like you said, Josh, Jay-Z's 50, 50, what, two, 53, Diddy's 50, like early 50s, Dr. Dre. And these guys can still tour. They could still do whatever they want to do and put out albums. And although we know they're older, no one's looking at them as like they're like these old men who lost it unless you actually really lost it where you like yeah you lost a step you need to fall back um and so that's just the difference it was just it was very new and now it's not that new i mean it's still new but it's not as new as it was when it first was born and 
Yeah, it's that's kind of I don't really think that's even really I mean, I think that that headline is gonna rub people the wrong way because it comes off as maybe like disrespecting the forefathers, but it's actually not that hard to understand. Yeah, I mean, I think most rap fans, if they're going back, especially young ones, like if you're under the age of 21, if and someone says, oh, you need to do your history, they're not going to go back beyond 92, 93. And even for us, like our generation, you know, you know, I'm 40. I know G-Rock creeping on that come up. Josh, I think you're only like a year or two behind as well. Like, I'm we not one man. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I apologize, man. I didn't mean any disrespect. I think I made that mistake last episode too. I apologize. To but Josh. Josh got such an old soul. I definitely didn't realize that Josh was as young as he is because I've been knowing Josh. I don't know how many years, but I've been knowing Josh for a very long time. I, I think maybe at least since two thousand. Eight two thousand nine, so that means I met Josh even when I was much younger. That Josh was like hella young, but Josh got an old soul. He definitely is a student of the game, student of the culture, and stuff like that. So he he can have those conversations with you where you think he's our age, but he's actually right. like thirty one. Like nigga, thirty one. I don't even remember, hey, young as hell, I don't even remember what I was doing when I was thirty one. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and I'm trying to forget. Um, <laughs> But yeah, long story less long, I, I think that one of the reasons why hip hop is able to stand the test of time, you know, especially for these older rappers, like you mentioned, Dre and Diddy and, and Jay-Z and even Push, who's probably in his mid 40s or, or older, you know, is because you've got a generation of people who have now grown up and who are 40 year old listeners. And so when we were listening to hip hop, like me and G-Rock in the 90s, there was a generation of guys that were 10 years older than us right, who were listening to Cool Keith Herc, who were listening to Sugar Hill Gang, who were listening to Run DMC, who were listening to Africa Bombada, right, who were listening to stuff from the late 70s and 80s. And they were like, oh, no, you don't know what hip hop is. When it was this, it was the break beats. And I remember I could spit on my head and all this type of stuff, right? And we just looked at them like, okay, old fuddy dud, like no one cares. Like I'm gonna put this doggy style on him. And so I think the reason why those old artists, that's the only thing I'm saying, the reason why those old artists can still tour is because we exist, right? There's that generation in between. Whereas in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't really that generation in between. And so those cats from the 80s and 70s, they kind of died off, even though they're the, they're the forefathers, even though they're the George Washingtons of this thing, and they really started it. One hip hop in terms of a style is genre, its sound has progressed and, you know, and done so much like the nineties didn't just, wasn't just a golden age of like what hip hop culture could be and do. It revolutionized the sound of music of what hip hop could sound like, right? Um, that now like it just, you listen to hip hop, not even just from 96, you listen to hip hop now, it doesn't sound anything like what hip hop sounded when Cool Keith Hurt first caught the beat break. Like it just doesn't sound, it, it's just completely different in music. And now you listen to every other genre of music and there's hip hop influences, you know what I'm saying? So just, I think the reason why it stood the test of time is the reason why there's an older, there's an audience for the older generation is because our audience, you know, our generation stands in the gap to still, will still say, well, shit, them tickets ain't too high. I think I'm going to see a Dr. Dre concert. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit, I'll go see, I'll see Jay-Z, why not, right? I don't know if these young heads respect the OGs like that, like even a Dre 
or uh, you know, it's like okay, I kind of respect it, like still Dre stuff, like okay, but they don't, they don't know, like they, they don't know, and that's that's a part of it. I mean, I think that's just a part of it, even though they they still are use even Kanye West. Like I talk to young kids in middle school, like they have they have no respect for Kanye West. And they don't realize. I'm serious. Like they. No, that's no, interesting because I, I they feel like don't, he's the bro. only old head that still has the youth. Like they don't. They don't respect Kanye. A lot of that is his recent political and just social antics, right? But they don't respect Kanye West genius. They don't understand that they're wearing clothes and listening to music and having styles that are influenced from them. I, I'm telling you, just the so average. They're, they're telling you this while wearing Yeezys. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. That, and it's the same thing when you think about Michael Jordan. These kids yeah, have no that's true. concept. They have no concept of Michael. They never watched him play. How many these kids haven't watched the damn The Last Dance? Unless they pop said, you're going to sit down and watch this. I ain't buying you another pair of Jordans till you sit down and watch this. You know what I'm saying? They just, they don't, it doesn't resonate with them. So, I, I yeah, I would just say that the the fact that, that hip-hop still exists is because there are generations like us that will grow up on it. And it'd be sad because when you, when we're 60, these kids will be like, let me tell you about little baby. Little baby was the greatest rapper of all time. Like, what the hell? Like, little baby is the greatest rapper of all time, right? But that's that will be their generation's goal. Yeah. Any other topics, folks, before we get into the fishbowl of fun? I know that's what the people are waiting for. The fishbowl of fun. Anything else? I just want to ask you a question, Senator. Yeah. After you know, just a one weekend to to digest him, uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. This this this, this uh, question no, is not I even about. No, I don't like Baby Keem. I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> this this question isn't isn't even about Keem or Kendrick. It's about Kodak Black. Mm. One of the hardest songs on there. Like, how do you do you have a different appreciation for Kodak? Because I know you and Josh, y'all swore that little baby, you know, the leader of the new school, y'all swore he was gonna be on there, but Kendrick actually went with Kodak. So hearing his skit, hearing his feature, hearing his narration. Um, do you not necessarily like him, but do you have like a, a greater appreciation for him as a rapper? I still think Lil Baby would have been a better lyrical choice. Um, but uh, I think I will now listen to a Kodak Black song. Like if I, if I see his name come up, I'll say, let me press play and let me just hear what this young man has to say. Like, for instance, uh, this past Friday, I think he dropped a song with Moneybag Yo that I did listen to right after I listened to the Migos song or whatever. Maybe it was right before. Um, just wanted to check that out and say, let me give him the benefit of the doubt. It's called Rocky Road. And uh, I immediately, uh, it's like three minutes and I turned it off after 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> so I am still an old fuddy dud. I still stand by why why I can't listen to rappers under the age of 26 or whatever. Like I'm still on that. Um, but he had a he had an impressive display there. I will try to shoot him the benefit of the doubt from now on, like especially if it's his project. But here's the thing: now I'm expecting you to say something that means something. That's the difference. You're not gonna, I can't, you can't just give me the rah-rah shit. Now I know that that's still a part of who he is and probably Kendrick picked him because he is that voice within that, that genre or whatever, that sub-genre. But now I'm expecting you to say something that matters because now I know you can. Yeah. Okay. So to piggyback off G-Rock. So I have never really listened to Kodak Black, but there was like one project where I have heard a couple songs and it was the little big, little big pop project from 2016 and senator i know you like oh bg oh hot boys oh all of that 
And I remember when I listened to this, because this was my first time ever listening to Kodak, and I was like, he reminds me a lot of BG. So I'm gonna find I can the, see that. I'm gonna find the song that I was that reminded me of that, and I'll put it in the group and just let you listen to this, that one. I bet. I just want to ask you this, and let's uh, let's keep it moving because I know we already we already had enough Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, but I specifically want to ask about Kodak Black. That is because I can't even roll in peace. Let's go, though. Fish <laughs> bowl of fun, gentlemen. Here we go. Ah, this is a good one. First three things you do if you won the lottery. First three things you do if you won the lottery. I was recently asked this question too, like uh, maybe like two Saturdays ago, like last last Saturday. All right, I'll talk for me. I'm a clear. How, do we say how much, or just do we say the lottery? Like, how let's much say, did I win? Let's say it's half a bill, half a billy. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, definitely clearing debt off the rip. Clearing debt. Uh, I I don't know if I'm clearing everybody's debt, but definitely clearing, you know, my debt for sure, and family and a few friends. Um, definitely hiring even before that hiring. Um, finance advisor slash investment consultant. Cause I, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do the right thing. Um, sit that tax money to the side, you know, and pay and pay my debts. You know what I'm saying? So those, those are the, those are, I think I said three things. They kind of could all be inclusive, but just for the sake of our time, those are, those are the most top three responsible things that I'm doing before I go out and buy anything. Cause that's, that's one thing I can say is I, as I start off this episode of being like highly money motivated, I've matured and have much wisdom. And I don't see a whole lot of value in money anymore. Like clearly we need money to survive. Like don't even get me started on like the concept of money. Cause it's total bullshit, right. but I'm not in love with money. I just based off how society was created, like it just is what it is. This is, this is our exchange for goods and services and stuff like that. So I'm not even antsy to go out and just do all this. Like, oh, I'm buying a Lamborghini and oh, I'm going to buy these chains. Like, I don't see no value in that. There's nothing wrong with material goods and things that you enjoy, but those aren't things that I'm running to do. A, a bulk of my money would be spent, not a bulk, but I would spend like my money, like what I enjoy traveling, definitely buying like the illest property in Europe and um, taking care of the fam and the friends and stuff like that. But it's, it's not to go out and get the Rolex and the Lambo and the mansions and all that bullshit. Yeah. Um, so me, very different from high school yearbook G-Rock who would have spent at least a million on like 10 Cartier frames. Oh my gosh. Shoe game. <laughs> now, now, you know, to be, to be so to many be Cartier fair, frames. To be fair, true, uh, full transparency, because I there, like you said, no, there's no cap in my rap at all. Um, that is the only uh luxury high fashion designer product that I do plan on rewarding myself with at some point. There's no rush only because of the nostalgic sentimental value to my youth of what that meant of being in Atlanta and having a pair. Like that was definitely just, it was like a pair of Jordan, like your favorite Jordans or whatever. It was just something that was very meaningful to me. So that is something that um, 
that I see value in because of its connection to my story. Um, so I definitely plan on buying a pair of vintage Cartier wood frames at some point when the time is right, you can get a vintage pair anywhere from like 2000 on the low end to maybe like 4,000. And again, I know that there's no true value in that at the end of the day, but for me, the value is, it, it means something to me based off how I grew up, but all the rest of that stuff, the, the jewelry and the, and the designer bags and the Gucci, like, I, I just, I just don't, you know, I'm, I'm in Paris. I do fashion weeks and all that stuff to get inspiration, but I, it's, I'm just not moved by any of that, but you're right though. The old, the younger G rock shoes, old stunting number one stunner, 22s, 25s pull up with the T tops off hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Money down. The, uh, <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> Shady Paul signed out the window. Talking on the money, Paul. Like 20 deep in Mosley Park. Like, nigga, wish a nigga would. Like, ignorant. You know what I'm saying? And I wasn't even the flashiest, but I was just so much younger and dumber back then or whatever. So, anyways, that's my mature, almost 40 response. Josh, Senator, what y'all doing? My first thing is probably buy a crib. Um, the smart and investment. Then I would buy a crib and then probably, you know, Parents, brother, sister, all of that. Take G Rock Senator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> I'm um, just messing with you. <laughs> um, one thing I don't know though, I don't know if I would pay off my student loans with that shit. <laughs> G-Rock said, I, do, I, mean, I do not know. Forget Penny May. Penny May can kiss my ass. So hey, I, I'm not sure I would. He's make still he's still money. hoping for that forgiveness though, which they probably is, is gonna you know do something at some point. It, All this money, you know, what I'm saying they giving to Ukraine and y'all y'all can't even take care take care of home. But we ain't gonna get into that. But go ahead, Josh. Yeah. So I mean, those are the first two, and then I I would contemplate paying off my student loans because that's really like the only debt I really have. So I would think about it, Senator. Uh, man, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, man, first thing first is, bro, I, I would pray, man, I, I'd have to spend at least a day or two just in prayer, because, I, bro, I, I ain't that safe, I, I blow that money real fast and do something really stupid with it, I've just, no one in my family in their lifetimes, times 10 lifetimes have ever seen that type of money, you know what I'm saying? That's, and a, lot, that's a lot of money, Senator. That's what I'm saying, like, I, I need... Like that I, guidance, I, that wisdom. I need some for real, for real wisdom. Like I can't know yourself blow. though. At least you honest you, and you saying. You know what I'm saying? I, I would need to get away yourself. from from everybody, from everything. Don't I would no credit cards. Don't give me no opportunity to spend this money. Let me get somewhere and fast and pray for at least you know for a couple of days. That'd be first thing. Second thing is, um, you know, once I come out of that, um, I would get a financial advisor. You know what I'm saying? So I don't blow this money. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, how do I pay these taxes so the government can stay up off of me? For sure. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I want to live simply and live underneath my, my means. Um, and so I only can do three things, so I won't cheat. Um, and then the third thing that I would do, which I hope would come out of the context of both prayer and having financial advice, would be how can I set up an intentional mission for philanthropy, right? Like, I want to be a giver. Right. Like I've always said that and I've always been that type of person that's like cynical when I think about Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or even Jay-Z and Beyonce. I'd be like, y'all got billions upon billions of dollars. Like just one of y'all 
especially you white folks, you white men that keep shooting penis-shaped rockets into outer space just to go up there for vacation. People starving in Haiti, but Whitey's on the moon. We talked about this before. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all could single-handedly save a country. You could single-handedly save Chad, just one of them. So if I'm gonna talk about them or whatever, then I wanna be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. You know what I'm saying? And so what does that mean for me to consistently have a mission to be a giver, right? And to not just like, oh, I just, I make this donation, but to set up a system for the rest of my life and for perpetuity, even for generations after that the legacy that the Scott family leaves behind and Senator Scott leaves behind is, oh, we're a distribution to be a blessing and to give to folks. And I mean that, you know what I'm saying? Like, because once I get a crib and once I don't handle my mama's dead, what, what more do I want? Like I'm 40 years old and I live in a studio apartment and I'm happy as a lamb. So if I'm happy now, then certainly just having a nice crib, and you know what I'm saying, should, should suffice. But sometimes for often it doesn't. And that's why I say like, I want to start with prayer. I want to start with some counseling and I want to be intentional about, hey, before this, you know, before anything else, how can we, how can I be consistent in giving? So those would be my three things. Word. Awesome, man. Appreciate the honesty, y'all. Yes, sir. You guys too, man. That was a really interesting um fishbowl. A lot of times they're, you know, fun and silly or whatever, or, or lighthearted, but that was actually um that's good. It had a lot of thought, a lot of honesty in that one. For sure. Well, folks, this is another one in the can. Don't trust the punch. Season two, episode two. You can see us now. You can hear us now. We're on Spotify. If you want to check out the video, you have to watch it exclusively on Spotify. Um, at least for the next five episodes or whatever, I'm going to upload both the audio and the video. So you'll have both of those <laughs> both of those options. If you're listening to it on any other platform other than Spotify, Spotify, you won't be able to watch it, but you will be able to catch the audio. So Google Podcasts, I believe Apple Podcasts, Podcast has it as well. Um, Podbean is popping with us. Like we, we're on these other spaces and places. So please listen to it. We're gonna start promoting this thing too and putting it out there to the world. So look. Yeah, for follow that. follow our TikTok. Yeah, well, yeah, G Rock will be managing the TikTok, um, and we'll we'll get this stuff out to you guys for sure. Uh, maybe some merch. I think we need to start thinking about what what merch can look like as well. Even some just some T-shirts or whatever. Maybe try to do a giveaway as we get this thing popping. But we got big plans to roll it out. 2022. Don't trust the punch. Season two, episode two. Whole yep. lot of twos. Whole lot of money. Whole lot of push these yeah. niggas off me like who? Huh? Push these haters off me like who? Huh? Huh? <laughs> hey man, y'all be easy. Take care out there. Peace.